0: Welcome back, guys. In today's episode, we're going to lift the curtain on professional road salaries. What the hell is Inigo San Milan actually doing? We have some long overdue kit chat. And what is the state of paid partnerships in cycling? Who is making what and what do you need to know? All right, let's get into it.
1: How much does a pro cyclist get paid, Chris?
0: Millions and millions of bucks, Jesse.
1: So I reckon people would give that answer if you ask the average person who's loosely interested in cyclists. But I don't think that's true. If you took the average salary, obviously there's the top guys that are on million-plus dollar contracts, uh, euro contracts. The average cyclist, there's a, there'd be a lot of pros that are on under 150,000 euros a year. I actually would probably say the majority would be. Because um, remember, each team has
0: 30 riders. And well, correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> look at the budgets. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the base salary or the, the, the starting salary is around 60,000 euros.
1: So what does a pro do after they retire? Because you've got a short lifespan as a pro. So for the guys that are earning a lot of money, maybe they can set themselves up pretty well. But for the rest, I mean, if you're a pro that's been pro 10 years and you've never gone over 150,000 euros and your career options are really limited. Very limited, yeah. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is... Is this maybe why we see pros doing content creation? For example, why does Garrett Thomas have a freaking podcast? You're a Tour de France winner. Surely you got more or better things to do with your time than run a podcast. I don't get it, Chris.
0: Uh, look, I think we uh, see Garrett's. Garrett's one's. That's a little bit of an outlier, okay? Because, like you said, he he's a very high. Well, probably one of the more high-profile. Um, sponsors or riders out there and yet he is doing it if it was a mid-range no offense to guys like Daryl Impey and this sort of stuff but you know he's not probably leveraging his Tour Down under win for a future career very well so he's probably dabbling a little bit in the, the social media space to expand his profile to potentially open up some career some career paths in the future right I'm not going to always just revert to other sports but it does exist in other sports there are ...super high-profile athletes earning hundreds of millions of dollars... ...who have their own podcasts. So, really? Uh, yep, yeah, guys like Draymond Green has his one, so a Warriors player. Okay, so my take on someone <laughs> No idea who that just, is. That's <laughs> why I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> but my take on someone like why Garrett Thomas would, okay... ...is that he has probably found himself in a position for the last decade in the sport where his mouthpiece has been the, the cycling journalists, right? Essentially the people that we were probably whinging about last week. And all hmm. of a sudden this medium open up opens up where he can be himself, he can tell his own stories and people can see him for the athlete that he is rather than the athlete that the journalists kind of portray him as. Hmm. And, you know, both you and I have seen that really... It's been really interesting with Jay because, like... <laughs> The the media want to portray him a certain way. They want they want him to fit a narrative, and that's not Jay, right? So you know, not certainly not <laughs> suggesting Jay Vine should go get a podcast by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but <laughs> should definitely not, definitely do that. not. <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I can totally see how an athlete would be like. You know what? I'm sick of guys writing. I'm going to do my own thing. So I guys like garrett I reckon it's more that than the than the salary thing yeah yeah
1: okay that's true yeah because and then like if you look at some of the other pros that are in it it'd probably be the same for a guy like George Bennett on social distance podcast I guess for him for that one he doesn't actually it doesn't look like he runs it he's just a, uh, a speaker on it so it probably doesn't take much of his time to get on there once a week or once a fortnight and chat to his mates for an hour um but yeah I, I just looked at the ones that are kind of Running a, a content creation, whether it's a YouTube channel, and they're still pro and they're still really good. And I go, Is it a month? Like, yeah, I just, I guess it may- it's probably isn't a money thing um, from that regard. I thought maybe just it must be a bit short on change to be running a.
0: Oh, I've kind of always wondered, like, what the sponsors sort of think of think of that. And not necessarily at the, the Garrett Thomas kind of level, but like the more, the Harry Sweeney. Type, type guys who are doing their own sort of stuff. It's another one, yeah. Like I, I wonder whether like Lotto were there going, ooh, be careful what you say or, or, or whether like they have any input in it, how mm. that sort of pl- – whether they don't even know he has one. That's potentially the case, like knowing some of the, the professional <laughs> yeah. teams and their engagement with social media. But yeah, like – and for someone like him I reckon it's more that I don't know. Actually, maybe we should ask him. I don't know.
1: Maybe we should ask him because, I mean, he's another one that's interesting. You go, okay, he's probably, he wouldn't be on a bait. Like, he's a good rider. He's, you know, he's going to be winning stages in Grand Tours soon. So, you'd be thinking salary-wise he wouldn't be short on money. So, what's in it for him? I don't know. That's just something that struck me.
0: Uh, Who doesn't have a podcast or any kind of, like, that vlog or anything like that who you would like to see have one? Is there is there a character in there who you would like to see have one? Caleb Ewing. So yeah. there was a snippet of
1: Caleb Ewing talking about um, on Garrett Thomas podcast talking about like how you've got your A grade sprinters who are, can actually come off the wheel and win, and B grade sprinters who just suck the wheel and are only ever going to get a result by just staying in the draft. And I uh, he was it was really interesting and entertaining way he put it really down to earth. And I th- I'd love to get Caleb on um, if he had like an uncensored just telling it straight podcast i think it'd be
0: really good so probably caleb what about caleb? you yeah probably be, there'd probably be a language issue but i would i would actually have loved to have seen at Alejandro valverde vlog mm-hmm. so not podcast wouldn't be interested i want to see his i want to see his daily routines i want to see what what he's doing it's just like especially towards the back end of the career like that just fascinated me like mid 40s still like what sacrifices was that guy making to be at that level and i reckon maybe that would have been an interesting story he lives in a really cool part of the world like where does he live uh yeah you're gonna ask me that um south of spain okay so which pros are you really liking on social media and why do you reckon they are doing? Is it just their own sort of way of getting their mouthpiece out or is there some sort of reason behind it in terms of their future careers? Let us know down below. So just with related to sort of
1: wearable tech and training, I think we've, we've got a bum steer here. We're getting led down the garden path because we're being told more and more wearables are improving, soon we might have blood glucose tracking, whatever else tracking through a wearable. And I think that's entirely as a coach, I think it's entirely missing the point of what the next frontier is in terms of tracking riders progression and health to see better training outcomes. And I think the next frontier in that is regular blood testing, regular scheduled blood testing and analysis, which isn't anything new, obviously. People have getting their blood tested for decades. But having that as a regular structured part of your training cycle, I think if a company can nail it, is where we'll start to see big jumps in in improvement for, for a lot of riders.
0: Wearables are dead. They're gone? They're gone. They're gone. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I have this, you look at where we've been headed recently with with wearables and I think we're starting to hit a brick wall in terms of what they can do and both you and I have experienced this that okay it's it's a lot of it can be measured but the accuracy of that measurement is very very questionable there's so many variables in i remember you telling the story of your HRV and how you had to go downstairs to before or you had to go to the toilet before you and so there's just so mm. many variables thrown into this and that's uh, I feel like that um, that is not going to be a barrier that is going to be knocked over and be knocked over and consistently uh, report accurate results well enough for someone like yourself who is a coach. Okay?
1: Definitely. And so the thing is in a miracle world, if they could measure accurately, they're only measuring the outcome of, A bunch of different things. It's like a that's any even a good wearable is a surface level product. It's measuring the outcome. It's not measuring what's causing the change in heart rate variability. It's not measuring what's causing the change in even if you had really good. Let's say you had a wearable that could measure lactate. It's not measuring okay. Why is your lactate? Why is your lactate decreasing at the same power output? And I think that's where we're going to come full circle and. Eventually, we're still going to be at, well, we need to measure changes in blood. We need to measure if you, okay, we know over a training block, when you do high intensity training, you deplete stores of certain things. For example, iron. You do a, send an athlete through eight weeks of high intensity training, their iron stores will drop. So being able to measure those things even though people haven't really focused on it for the last couple of years because wearables have come up and they're more marketable, eventually we're going to come back and be like, okay, <laughs> we need to actually look deeper than the surface level and we're going to come
0: back. It's, and I would argue that it's not, it's, that's not even our opinion or I didn't know that was going to be your opinion but, but our opinion that wearables are dead. Tech companies themselves are making that pretty obvious. They're investing less and less in that, in that side of their business um, okay, take Wahoo for a very limited example of that. The rival watch was the first thing that they wound up when they started to back things off. But you're also seeing, um, in terms of a space where we're potentially headed, you just look at stuff like ChatGPX, Chat G P X, sorry Chat G P T. <laughs> that is a company like Microsoft, which you would have thought would start to move into the wearable space, is completely reinvested down down that path. So, for me that's where we're headed and and wearables will be very much secondary to it.
1: Let's go uh, 20 years is a long time. Let's go 10 years in the future because 10 years in tech is a long time. Here's what I imagine. Okay. You're at home. You've got your blood sample kit, but it's not, it's, I'm not going to the collection center and getting a whole vial drawn. No chance. You're at home. You're doing a little dipper. Like you're taking a lactate test. You're dipping that into your, computer machine. It's taking a measurement of all the kinds of variables that you want to measure in your blood. It's then giving you an accurate measurement that you used to would have had to go and collect before. And it's using AI. You Let's say you take a measurement once and then you take a measurement two months later. It's using all the data it's got in the back end to give you predictions of, okay, in six months, if you keep doing what you're doing, this level will drop to here. And so you need to boost it up here. And it's using the tech behind it To give you accurate predictions without having to take a test every, you know, four to five weeks. And that's, imagine being able to do that all at home, by yourself, taking a tiny little droplet of blood. I mean, I
0: think you're potentially even shortchanging what that's going to do. Because like, from that one vial of blood, I would argue that the AI is probably going to give you whatever your intervals should be today. And (laughs) like, really, like in terms of, okay, I've got this race in six weeks, you just ask it this is what's your training plan look like and then input the variables that you've just talked about that were your your blood test results yeah i mean it's it's i i 10 years yep easily Mm -hmm. easily so that
1: might be all automated in the future but at the moment that work in terms of analyzing that blood value data or health data and making training related changes is done usually by a team doctor someone like who's very popular online at the moment, Inigo Milan, would be doing that sort of stuff. And I wanted to go into this because U- UAE Team Emirates call him the team doctor. Now, I'm going to go a bit rogue here, but sorry, they call him the team coach. Team coach. They call him Tade Pogacar's coach. I'm sorry, Inigo Milan isn't a coach. You're not paying him whatever retainer he's getting paid to stay on Team Emirates books to look at Tanabegatch's TSS from last week and make recommendations. You're dreaming. The guy is a researcher in cancer research and metabolism, obviously has a um extensive knowledge in uh health biology, that sort of thing. He's you could pay a trainer 50,000 euro a year to, to to look at training data. And I think there's this very big smoke and mirrors act going on where they Inigo's going on podcasts talking about zone two, giving like a lecture that a first year uni sh- sports science student could give on in t- sports um, metabolism at, at zone two training. It's so surf- absolute joke, surface level stuff.
0: You know why? You know why he's termed that? Because th- the term team doctor has such a, a dirty, dirty like history in yeah. this sport. That you can't use that almost. Like they need to come up with other words like performance, director of performance and things like this. Like it, it, it as soon as you said the words team doctor, I'm like, ah, so what's Ferrari up to? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it doesn't
1: need to meet I don't know what it means. It doesn't mean it, it doesn't come with that connotation. When I say that, I'm not that's not what I'm meaning. You probably think I'm saying that. I don't know. I'm just saying he's not there looking at Tadabagaccha's training peaks. It's just a joke. You could get anyone. I, I could do that. So clearly there's something else going on here. And we see it as well. It's not just Inigo that does it. You get like a guy like Peter Atia goes on and talks about like <laughs> Peter Atia goes on podcasts and he's like, oh, in my health clinic, you know, we run through this battery of tests, and it's like, how many pull-ups can you can do? And, and my benchmarking is like bench press with like one and a half body weight. It's like, bro, you're a you're a fucking concierge doping anti-aging doctor don't come on these podcasts and pretend like you're this like health coach it's it's all this smoke and mirrors stuff where these guys they have a whole business and they're making a lot of money basically yeah being a doctor and prescribing drugs and doing whatever else they do but then they come on and act like to get sort of popular they just do this crap that they spill out. And it's like, if you just listen to the podcast, you think, oh, they're just like a trainer. It's like, no, they're doctors, <laughs> researchers. They're not trainers. <laughs> so yeah, just to, just to wrap that up, for a guy like Inigo, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying he's a doping coach. I'm just saying like, a guy like that has in-depth knowledge on blood markers and, and things like that. So with Tatabagacho goes and does an altitude training camp, you need someone that can keep an, an athlete like that healthy and on track. And you got that's a very niche specific area of metabolism that not many people know about at that level. So you gotta have these these doctors on to keep the athletes healthy and that's what he's doing. He's not
0: training zone two. It's a joke. Yeah. That's what they're doing. And that's it kind of comes back to when we were talking a lot about like what are these guys doing at the altitude camps, etc. etc. It's that it's it's that. It's it's the specialized monitoring that a guy like that is able to I suppose perform at those things that get those gets those guys to those outrageous levels of performance, basically. And you're right; it's like I, I kind of watched a little bit of some of those videos, and you come away from going like, "Oh, isn't that nice? You <laughs> know, oh, some zone two training. That's oh, he's yeah, okay. So that's what Tade doing with that. It's like, yeah, it's it's a very to, to say that it's just like simplifying it is probably not doing it justice but I can totally see why it would rile you up.
1: Yeah. It's like getting a Formula 1 driver to to give a learner driver's course at the local L plate center. It's 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 a similar thing.
0: But you know what we you know what we need like it the, the actual only stuff you need to watch on YouTube is just David Goggins. <laughs> oh man. Where have you gone with this? What what have you been watching? I'm just I, I just I just reckon like because there's so much crap out there and obviously like <laughs> he, is, he is just, yeah. But he's so entertaining and I'm sorry, right? you can't come away from watching one of his videos, rants, whatever you want to call them, and not be motivated. <laughs> like I watched one last night and I'm like I didn't want to go to bed. I'm like... What? No, <laughs> sleep when you're dead Chris let's go go like immerse myself in like sort of ice water or something I don't know I kind of I really rate that stuff because it's just so ridiculous and like yeah I don't want to always have to sort of come back and whinge about cycling but I just wish we had a bit more of that in cycling you know just overt craziness like that what do you think, guys? Are wearables dead? Where's, where's the future of training, monitoring, analysis headed in the next sort of 10 years? Let us know down below. Right. Welcome to your monthly analysis of kit fashion cycling, Jesse Coyle. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to your input in this. Mm. But I wanted to have a little chat potentially about 2023, where we're headed with kit. So I want to start us off with... I feel like well, I don't feel like I know there's going to be a big push back to aero. Okay? Yep. So when I say that, you could definitely argue that the last oh since since covid we've we've all been told you can just ride in t-shirts and baggy shorts and pockets in your everything and all that kind of stuff. And and don't get me wrong, that that's not going in, going away, but you are going to see the comeback of the aero jersey. Specifically, you're going to see, and I don't necessarily like this as a, as a look, but that collar is going to go more oh. skin-suity. It's going to go more soccer jersey. I think you even tried a few, tested a few back in the day. It is just, it is just faster. It is, and you are going to see the, the main brand start to push new Aero jerseys.
1: Well, I'm happy with it now. The COVID kilos have have burnt off because yeah, everyone's just pudging into their Aero jerseys. wasn't any good, but I'm yep, I'm in for it. Okay, back to sort of 2015 vibe of every like the Pro Team Aero jersey came out, and yeah, I'm I'm back to that.
0: But you yeah. won't see. I don't think you're going to see a massive price increase in that. But um, the other push is going to be to this one. So the the one size not one size fits all, the all-in-one jersey. Okay? The all-in-one okay. jersey. The jersey that sort of piggybacks off the back of the It's Not the zipperless job, is that? No, 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 no. So this is more of your for all conditions. Okay. So not brutally hot, not freezing cold, kind of everything in between. So the stuff that could you could get some rain, you could get you'll get some sun. So a different type of material in general. Um, yeah, again, like, like a Gabba-styled one-size-fits-all one jersey. I know uh, Rafa have released one. I think they've – what are they called? The Infinity jersey potentially. Um, yes, that's it. Um, in the Infinity jersey where it's it's like a, a Gore-Tex jersey. Like it's still a short sleeve sort of thing. So hopefully we see some product development around that space.
1: Yeah. I reckon, can I just say, I reckon the whole, it's 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 really good. It's a hot weather jersey. It's a cold weather jersey. Most of the time for most brands is all bullshit. It's, they're using the similar weight of Lycra. There's not many brands that do a true lightweight flyweight jersey. For everything else, they're all pretty much, I'm looking at the wall behind you here and it's all. they're all pretty much, if you went to any brand, that could be a winter jersey or a full summer jersey depending on what they what way the coin landed when they did their marketing?
0: Oh, don't get me wrong. Like, there's so there's absolutely there's a load of bullshit out there. Like, and you know that from having from making your own sort of stuff, you can totally see that a lot of it just comes down to marketing. That's why I, I did want to pick that particular thing out because it does actually have like a Gore Tex membrane on it. Right. So it is kind of oh. So
1: when you say all one, you mean like it's it's more on the w- wintry, w- rainy side, not like
0: summer and winter. So it's, it's raining outside, it's about sort of 14, 15, 16 degrees, you're like, ah, it could clear up a little bit later, not don't wanna sure, don't want to, do I run the jacket, it's kind of not sure, I run the, oh, you know what, I'll just run the, this jersey Okay. and it gets me through the two to three hour ride window and you pull up okay from it, you're not sort of drenched through. Yeah, that's, okay. I can see that. That's that's kind of where that one is. So that's that's your more development producty stuff. Let's get more into some interesting interesting kind of angles. I put a post up on Instagram the other day about patterned socks. Where are we? St- give me, give me, give me, give me your thoughts. On socks. socks are disgusting. They
1: shouldn't exist. Socks have for cyclists have one job. It's to make your legs look skinny and or lean. That's it. That's not going to happen with horizontal. It's not going to happen with patterns or horizontal lines. So I'm I, socks should be minimal. If they want any sort of coloring, it should be a vertical pattern that draws your leg from the heel, up the shin, up the back of the nice toned calf of the guy or girl in front. And, and that's it. Patterned is uh, I'm disgusting. No chance. The only thing though, with a horizontal line sock, and you're a serial offender for this, Chris, you gotta get them straight. How many times have we been on a ride and you got those raffa socks with the little pattern in the middle and it's on the inside and all I'm looking at that entire ride is that offset logo. So please, if you're doing vertical
0: lines or patterns, get them straight. Okay, here's my take on this. That any kind of graphic on your sock, immediately, especially like a, a pattern, immediately to me starts looking like an office sock, all right? So somehow, <laughs> somehow you've got to make this look different. And I'm not against adding one or two to to your kit wardrobe. But the way I see this playing out, right, is you have two or three in the in the kit wardrobe and they are there to purely match one outfit that you have. OK, so it is it is it is that look now, call it what you will, a waste of money to have one pair of socks for <laughs> that one outfit. I may have that problem, whatever, but that's the way I would definitely see that kind of thing playing out. All right. It's got to it's got to basically be a continuation of essentially the jersey, right? Now, you can get away with that. If you're already super ripped, you can pull a patent
1: sock. Because your legs already look good. If you're anyone that's needs a bit of help in that department, do not wear a pattern sock. I don't care what jersey or knicks you're running. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But that,
0: Oh, okay. I, that video that I did about wearing black socks, like that's that's like at the end of the day, the harsh truth of anything to do with <laughs> cycling. Like the easy out, the easy win for everyone is just white shoes, white socks and a nice color block upstairs downstairs jersey. Everyone everyone can kind of, you know, someone with 40% body fat can probably pull that off quite happily. There is the unfortunate reality that the further you want to push your fashion cycling the kind of
1: the better looking, you better need looking to be. you gotta be. Like it's, just, it's,
0: yeah, it's sad, but it's kind of the the reality of it, you know. I really want coloured bibs to work. I keep I, every time I talk about kit recently. I'm like coloured bibs, coloured bibs, coloured bibs. But there's another harsh reality with them, and I've discovered this recently myself. That if it gets really hot or you start sweating. ...you tend to sweat in certain areas of your body... ...and one of the areas of your body that you sweat can be around crevices. Mm -hmm. And what can kind of happen with coloured bibs... ...is they pick up the moisture. And it's not a great look. Because all of a sudden you look like a two-year-old... ...who's had a little accident... (laughs) ...and it's not particularly pretty. And I have a particular set of grey nicks that I love. Absolutely love them. Ran them yesterday... But yeah, after two hours, I'm like, hang on, what an accident! You're here. the one that tried to sell us on coloured bibs. Mm, there's so concerns, yeah, There's concerns, more <laughs> testing needs to be done. We all
1: knew you were wrong when you tried to do it in the first place. Black or navy, that's it.
0: Yeah, you're probably you're probably not miles away from the truth, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs>
1: Can I say, like, on this topic, there's gonna be people that say, oh, but you, know, you guys are so elitist. Like wear whatever you want. I'm sorry, but that like, there are good looking people in the world, and there are ugly people in the world. And most people want to try and look nicer and look a bit better. So, sure, wear whatever you want, but most people would like to look a bit better. So don't get angry at us. It's just how it is. We live in a visual world where everyone has two eyes and that impacts stuff.
0: Yeah, It's like every time I used to do those Fashion Friday vlogs, like every second video, every second comment was like, oh, don't tell us what to wear. You can wear whatever you want. Don't do like... Yes, that's absolutely true. Like, there's no two ways about it. But like, sometimes people do want to know some <laughs> little bit of advice about what to what to wear that might make them look better. Because essentially, if you feel better on a bike, you're going to enjoy the experience more. So oh, that's, hmm. I don't know. That's yeah, and just because
1: take. you want to feel better doesn't mean everyone's judging you. I
0: can give two shits what people wear. But sometimes you ride by somebody. Oh, that's a nice kit. That looks good. That's it. That's all. I still want to just say that those ASOS bibs. I know I bring this up every time, <laughs> but I keep seeing them, and I'm like, "Why are you wearing those things that make it look like your sh- jersey's too short?" That's always the problem because it looks like the strap is come is come up and your jerseys come up. So yeah, I don't know. Don't, I don't want to.
1: Is that blanket. the that's the one piece where it's a blanket uh, blanket? That you're up. elitist in in, in the ASOS bib department.
0: The one last thing while we're telling people not to do things with with kit and all the rest of it. <laughs> What do you think about – I get this question a lot. What do you think about wearing multiple brands at the same time? So, map, bibs, raffer jersey. Uh, do you, do you, is it something you th- would think about? Where do you stand with it? Amazing. I think it's fantastic. Go for it. Sometimes you don't
1: – especially because like, sometimes brands will have one thing. You make like a raffer and, and the core bibs are on sale, so you grab a pair. And then you're like, well, you know, the core jersey is a bit slop. So you buy like a, a matte one that's on sale, or maybe there's a pro team and it goes well together. That's why when I was started, like, even now I still I'll still wear mismatch. Whatever, because you know, one brand jersey and another brand bibs might be more comfortable. So I'm all for it, please. More more mismatching. What Miss, do
0: you reckon? Uh, mismatching jerseys is one of the biggest fashion questions I get uh, on Instagram. So yeah, there's some do's and don'ts in fashion, absolutely. Mismatching kit is not one of them guys if don't even this is not a thing please just go and buy whatever you want if it's 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 the colors it's the textures that you're trying to match not the brands yes a lot of the times it makes it easier to choose from the same brand because they tend to be taking from the same color palette that's just the way they're designed but guys, come on, yeah, absolutely. See, I reckon that would be elitist, right? If you had, because it's about what it looks like. So
1: if you had someone that looked good, but it was like a, a map jersey wrap of shorts, and you were like, oh, they don't match, you're just a wanker. That's a total elitist bullshit. If it looks good, because it, it's about what it looks like. Who cares what the little logo is? It's all the same shit anyway. So yeah, I'm all for mismatch.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, get get into it. Stop asking me those questions, please mismatch away but otherwise guys what are you thinking 2023 fashion trends let us know down below pattern socks back me up here people take the office out onto the road run them run them all right all right now while we have you and we're talking a little bit about branding we thought we should <laughs> unveil the new nero show logo that's right ladies. can we and gentlemen. If,
1: if you're only listening can we, uh, when you edit this could you put in like a time Thing, mm-hmm. So people can go on YouTube and look, so mm-hmm. they can see what this. Oh, they'll
0: know. It'll be on billboards. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be Skywriters <laughs> We'll will have this up. So yeah, look. Explain what happened. What here? do you explain? Well, okay. Here, here's the thing. We're talking about branding. You know, we, I'm trying to trying to you know get a little bit of professionalism here, Jesse. Get some branding for the show. So I went on to Fiverr, and uh, it's a kind of freelance sort of app that you can go and use to get people to, to do some graphic design and stuff. And I threw him a couple of pictures of the two of us and said, "Here, we got a podcast. What do we? What do we?
1: Are we? Are we? Is it ten bucks here? Fifty bucks? Uh, what do we, so we so charge? Yeah, for it was, that, that
0: was thirteen dollars. Okay, thirteen dollars. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was same day delivery, so Oof. I literally sent them the pictures and we got that back pretty quickly. Yep. Okay. Um, now uh, the results of which you are now looking at are um, <laughs> 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 this is
1: absolutely. What is going on? Firstly, can I just say, off the bat, you what is this? Is this a podcast? Like, it doesn't even give any idea of what the logo's for. Uh, a couple of things to go into. Firstly, so you you must have sent... So this was a photo where the heads have been cartoonized. Because this was... It was a I'm photo gonna re- that I'm going to read you my brief. Okay.
0: Okay. Yep. So I sent a brief. I sent a brief to them. And the brief was, um, hi, we... Uh, Two of us, Jesse and Chris, we're running a cycling podcast. Um, here is some pictures that we have had professionally taken, uh, part of an Alba Optics photo shoot thing that we did. Um, as far as a the general theme for the show, we kind of don't take ourselves too seriously, so maybe something that's a little bit fun, but we'll leave the ultimate kind of angle up to yourself. Okay. That was a pretty open brief, and this
1: is what we've got. Imagine if we used this. It, look, it's a, it's like a carnival circus logo. Yeah. And look, I look like. Why is my ears so big? Like I don't think my ears are that big in real. I look like what's his name, Jason Gillespie, the Aussie cricketer. And I, my description of you was an ex Navy SEAL turned male model. I mean, look at you. Look at your jaw. So like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Chris, but you're I, not rocking that. <laughs> like.
0: I went back to him because he sent me that one. and He he sent uh, another one to follow it up, which we can send on as well. And I said, look, that's... And it it didn't charge me for the second one, but he he sent the second one back. I don't know if it's a guy, actually. But my feedback for the second one was, okay, that was too serious. Can we have a more fun, like a kid's cartoon? I wanted, like, a kid's cartoon look. If he was going to go that route, I wanted a kid's cartoon look. Uh, Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's... But look at... We don't even look... (sighs) Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. And
1: then, I mean, if we want to nitpick here, the white outline on the Nero, uh, what's happening? So, show has the white, on the second image, show has the white outline. And then, like, it's missing from the Nero bit. So, I don't know what's going on there. Um,
0: Well, look, if if the (laughs) only problem we have is around font on that, then I think that's the (laughs) least of our issues. Uh, But look, I, I do want to say this that the intro outro music for today's show was actually produced. ...by a subscriber who got in touch and reached out and said... ...I know you guys are looking for some music. So I'll put the links to him down below. I'm not sure he wants to be mentioned. So I'll ask him and then drop them in the links down below. That was pretty awesome. But it does, I reckon... So the whole reason around me doing this was I kind of thought... ...we needed needed some branding, we needed a look, a bit of a feel. And I know you wanted to maybe have a little chat about kind of what... So like paid partnerships and stuff because mm. you do see it a lot in the cycling splay space on YouTube. Like, are you finding it confusing to kind of know what people are being paid to do, or what's what's your what's your question here?
1: So there are okay. There's the top there's the top guys that would be earning an income, right? So for example, one that comes up is you know Saffer Brian YouTube channel does the gravel stuff, the descending stuff. 200 plus thousand subscribers sponsored by Scott. He'd be getting, okay, he's getting money. But there are other shows and podcasts and YouTube channels that exist that appear to have sponsors, but we're kind of in the space. So we know generally, you know, what you'd get paid, but depending on how many things you have. And I'm, it's you're, you're not getting enough views or downloads to have a sponsor. So I don't understand why you're having a presenting partner when you're getting hardly any views and mm. i think it's there's a big smoke and mirrors act similar to like the teams that run cycling teams
0: where i was going to you
1: know this. and they have sponsors but the sponsors don't really give anything or if it's a tiny discount and i think it's like an extension of this fake it till you make it thing which is like if you just pretend you have sponsors and then maybe a sponsor will eventually come on and will then pay because they think you're that big? Mm-hmm. Is that why? I don't know.
0: Essentially what you're doing, like when you're starting out, is you're almost trying to leech off the size of that brand to, to give you authenticity but also reach their audience. So, for example, like a Zwift. A Zwift might, like, back you up and, you know, the, the neuro show presented by Zwift, whatever, we're, we're useless, we're irrelevant to them. But then maybe they do one live show with us out to their store to their partners, and that's great for us. It's not kind of irrelevant for them, but it's more that it's big for that that brand. I know, coming back to the team stuff, that's why we tried to partner with some of those big brands is not necessarily to get stuff off them. It was more like, hey, you use us. Get us onto your platform. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I can see. I didn't consider that.
0: But it doesn't always work as it doesn't really ever work because most brands in cycling are kind of lazy. I was going to say, because
1: I was going to go, because... I think cycling's in a, in a bit of a unique space because can, you know young people coming up might want to like you know get into doing content because it's like a big maybe not in cycling yet but it's a big thing in other industries. But you can actually make money doing it in under, other industries. Like if I look at the people that create content for road, at least for road cycling, the mountain bike is a whole other bubble I'm not in. But at least for road cycling, this you know there's maybe ten that maybe ten that can make a full time income. Just off the content without doing anything else, maybe
0: it gets to a point where cycling and cycling social media stuff, you, you use it to leverage the service that you, produ- you provide. So you know the great thing that Cam's been able to do is he's got a fantastic subscriber base, but he's also been able to move that into his was it road cycling academy thing. Yeah, the coaching. Okay, so yeah. that becomes that becomes the the the, the revenue, I suppose, um, and. Who Who else? Yeah, but see, like,
1: I think a lot of people wouldn't even realise that. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you count the people that purely make money off their content, I'd say Lantern Rouge would be one. Uh, you know, obviously GCN, um, Saffa. you know, like, there's hardly any. But I think that would shock a lot of people. I think a lot of people that w- would think that there's good money being made off.
0: There's two things I want to say about this, and this is not a GCN hate session, I mean, Whatever. We, we just have to We talk really should about have them.
1: tried to not... Anyway, okay. No, and we uh, okay. Ha, but we have <laughs>
0: to talk about okay. them, Jesse. Right. And I'll tell you why we have to talk about them. Because I'll often do these little di- deep dives into YouTube, okay? And across all different hobbies, all different things. And at any one time in the cycling space, across the English-speaking, the English-speaking world on YouTube, right? At any one time, the active views... GCN across its channels, the active views cover around 80% of the cycling space. That's That only leaves 20% for everyone else. That's 80% of people right now on YouTube watching cycling stuff are watching a GCN thing. So it is just a massive conglomerate when it comes to what's, what's out there,
1: okay? But it, it doesn't leave 20%. The rising tide raises all ships. So the fact that GCN grows, that lives little scraps for us to come and grab and get a little audience. So I think the, if, if they didn't have the 80%, we wouldn't have a 20% to play with.
0: I'm not saying that that's ter- that's, that's bad. They're dominating. I'm just saying the reason we have to talk about them is because okay. it's that size. Okay, okay. You yeah. can't not address this subject and not talk about them. But just
1: in terms of the income, I mean, I know GCN do other things. I'm just saying their YouTube channel in and of itself is profitable. And when I mean that, I mean like the YouTube video ad revenue and then whatever you can put in a link below that doesn't require actively doing anything. I would say like that channel is profitable. And I, I there's not many, many of them even, I mean, it, this show isn't one of them where the show doesn't make any, any money at all. So I just, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. I think mate, just because if you see a lot of these things pop up and they've got sponsors or presented buys and things like that, you think, oh, it's, you know, good money flowing. There's not, there's no money.
0: Well, I mean, Dave, Dave Arthur, who's just hit his 100,000 subs, fantastic achievement, especially in cycling. You know, he's 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 doing reads for, I think, Squarespace or mm-hmm. one of them through, throughout there. So you can even see there that, like, here's a guy who's, you know, made it, quote unquote, in terms of that subscription base, but is still very much trying to have to supplement his income. And I, I, fair play to him. I mean, the more he can kind of do that, the more, the more that can find a niche that actually is a way for people to, to make money on the, on the platform, the better, you know?
1: I mean, I'd still wonder, even a channel like his 100,000 subscribers, I look at the videos, I'm going, not making that much money, really. If you, if you break it down... Bit of ad revenue. Okay. Squarespace pay him a bit. I don't know. Maybe he gets a bit of money to review things. Possibly. Maybe not. I don't know. Probably brands, but even that, brands would probably just maybe they provide him with a bike to test. They probably don't pay him. It's not that much money for one of the bigger channels like in the road cycling space. It's, yeah. I just think it, that's, um, even that's not huge. So that's why it just I think it's interesting. I don't know it doesn't really get talked about, and I find it inter- maybe it's just because because of my age and where I am in life, I find income interesting, and I don't find it actually that taboo to talk about either. So no, I, and
0: I think and it- the NorCal one's another great example of it. I mean, that's a big channel. and how how do you how do you turn that into into revenue? Well, you create that course that we talked about last week. So mm-hmm. you know it's it's pretty clear if you if you look at all these channels objectively, that there is there's no money being made from the platform. It's mm. what can you what can you turn your audience into? And I mean, you know, you look at yourself like you've managed to turn your audience into client clients, coaching clients. Yeah, and that's very
1: tiny percentage. You know, that works, tiny yeah. percentage. But, but, but I'd say that doesn't even. That's kind of my point. Is like I almost I don't count that as making money from content. I'm saying yeah, that's kind of like the point. Is like at least in cycling for the moment, you have aside from the elite elite top three channels you have to have something as your job which hopefully can benefit from the content that's not the case in a lot of other sports or industries where you can just make good content and you can just make money off you know putting a couple of links in the description
0: so cycling partnerships cycling brands let us know down below and guys if you've got any ideas or any uh, creative mouse on how we should uh, be 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 doing our own branding please do uh, let us know feel free to reach out to me directly and uh, hopefully we can come up with something slightly more realistic than our current one
1: all right let's go we gotta go we got others uh, we got stuff to get through Chris let's go okay you've seen this okay the classified hub that has a front chain ring in it right big smoke thing flashbang about a year ago, kind of went quiet, and now it's popped its up head up again because it got Tom Boone and a few other influences. What's your take on the classified hub? In or out? Out. Smash a pass. What?
0: Give me, give me, sell it to me. All
1: right, okay, sell it to you. Okay, you get to take your front chain ring off, and you get to run a one buy. And how cool does a one buy look? And it's not any less efficient. And it shifts. Okay, th- this is when they did the video, right? They did a video on it. Who, uh, where was this on? Uh, actually, Francis Cade did a video on it. And one of the selling points of it was it shifts faster. I'm like, have you ridden DI2? It's hap- like your front shift happens within like an eighth of a pedal stroke. And the guy from Classified, okay, he, he was riding. He probably didn't think what he was saying. So I'm, I'm going to not be too hard on him. But he was like, you know, because like when you have a front chain ring and you shift, you know, it's three or four pedal strokes. I'm like, bro... Shifting, it happens, you can shift mid sprint. So I don't think that the faster shifting is a selling point. I just think, um, uh, firstly, just the ease of being able to uh, change your, not having to change your chain rings. Sorry, no, because you, you can't change the gear ratios. Maybe it's not they are losing good. me. No, okay. they are losing me. Hold, hold me there. Okay, no. Fuck, I can't sell it, can <laughs> I? No, 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 no. Okay, I can't sell it yet, but what about this?
0: Sounds like a hammerhead.
1: What if it gave you a 55 big ring and a 34 little ring?
0: Listening. Would you consider? Listening.
1: So that's where I think it needs to go. Right now, they've set it up so it mimics a classic chain ring. So you're kind of like, well, why would I move to this system when I got a thing that already works? There's not really a selling point there. But if it allowed you to either customize relatively easily the mimicked gear ratios... Or yeah, have a bigger, just come out of the box and have like the 55 ring, which is like, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, it's like impossible to buy bigger size chain rings. If it did that, that's where I think you would have a unique selling point and I'd I'd be on board. I'm already on board. I'd probably run it. Just a cleaner setup. But even just for the gear ratio benefit, I'd be a big, big plus.
0: So it's like having the, the front chain ring in the front hub. In the rear hub. The rear hub. Yep. Okay. I, I feel like that, would also change the feel of a shift as well like it would be more um i did i did see kind of francis riding it and he kind of felt almost staggered like the shift would happen and not that it wasn't fast but it was like where the sh- where the shift was happening on the bike that he's sitting on was in a different place and that was actually quite a different kind of feeling being on a bike mm. um I
1: think, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, so that was, he was, it took a bit to get used to. I mm. think it was also the speed of the shift was shocking him because it happens instantly. You're not, you've got to, t- you have to think
0: through it a bit more. Just, it just can't be any faster than DI2. Like, it just can't. Maybe he was riding SRAM previously. No, it is fa- It, it is
1: fast. Fa- like, it's fast. Oh, I mean, it's instant. But,
0: like, the DI2 that I, sh- like, yeah, I just don't need it any faster. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, I'm... I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not against. I, I, yeah, sell it to me. Bring bring it back to me in in six months time. But I'm still okay. in love with my D. I If you could adjust, so, if you could change the gear
1: ratio on it to get yourself a bigger chain ring or a smaller chain ring, they'd. I'd be on it. 100. Very interested.
0: Yep. Very interested. Very interested.
1: I think like there's always a like, we're so freaking road cycling, so slow, and everyone's always so apprehensive with tech and so skeptical. Like, oh, what are we being sold now? It's like this thing could legit. Be everyone could be on one in five years. Like I honestly think it could be there. Uh, Zwift World Championships are happening. Uh, happening on Sunday morning. We have to talk about. That. Are you excited or? Okay, well, you've answered it straight away. Will you watch? It's at five a.m. God no.
0: No. Mad. No. No. Like I. Do you want to know how many Zwift races I've watched? Go. One.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. One. And uh, that was the final... Anyway, it's not relevant. It was the final of the Zwift Academy 2020. I'm sorry. People who are trying to keep telling me that this is the future of, like, <laughs> the sport in terms of its push into e-games. And it's like, are you kidding me? It's legitimately the most boring thing to watch.
1: I think you should try and watch. It's in three rounds. From what I can tell, it's in three rounds and they're only about 20 minutes long. It's not a lot of time. They've done their best to condense it down and make it exciting. I'm keen to watch. I, I'm really... I'm actually excited. I, I reckon it's going to be
0: good. I'm coming across as the, as the, the angry person I know. this one, are yeah, yeah, the rusted on roadie. Oh, Look the at rusted it. on... Yeah, oh, oh, these be, kids I'll playing these games and these hubs.
1: And, oh, God, I give me the double chain ring anyway. <laughs> in one of my latest videos where I was reacting to a, a training video, um, this rider got in his car and drove about an hour to go and do a group ride and then drove home. And I said that you sh- that's... at least in Australia, it's quite rare. We kind of just ride from home and it's all good. And someone said in the comments, oh yeah, but like in the US, like, you know, I I drive to go for a ride because I'm scared to ride. Like I'm actually scared to ride. And I was like, whoa, I'd never, ever considered that. Like I've never been, look, there's places that I don't enjoy riding. When We were in in Ballarat for nationals. That wasn't particularly fun. Um, Way more bogans and crackheads and just people shouting at you. But I've never, like, been scared for my life to the point where I wouldn't ride. You've ridden a bit so, in the US. Okay. What's, your, what's your go? Yeah. Uh,
0: I've done a few group rides and what I have found, almost all of them, is everyone turns up in their car or everyone turns up in their pickup, okay? And so what there's, – there's a lot of factors to this, but um, it's just – culturally is probably not the right word, but like even like cyclists there, it's just that's what you do. You put your car, you put your bike in your car and you drive to the spot where everyone meets. It just seems to be more of a thing. Now, uh, my personal take on it was I, I did a lot of riding just from from the, the house, from the place, which was kind of strange. But it is, a lot of it I do think comes back to just the size of the vehicles. Like you, you forget how big... ...trucks are in the US and just how many people have them. They have those like the the SUVs with like the doubled rear wheel. I don't know what you right. term that. Yep. But it is. It's just and there is a the bit of that kind of well like I don't give a fuck about you... ...little cyclists mentality that does exist. So I, I do understand it and I think that particular video he was in San Francisco. Am I right? I don't know. Okay, yeah. But that did surprise me because I always thought that San Francisco was a bike-friendly city. No: mm. uh,
1: Oh, sorry, no, the person left the comment. I think he was doing because he wanted to ride with his mates on a group ride. The person I don't know where the person that left that comment was from.: Oh okay. yeah.
0: yeah. No, it is It is super common, though.
1: But like in Australia, is there, is there anywhere in Australia where you would be scared for your life to ride? Um, the
0: answer probably is no. But hmm. then that brings up gun legislation. <laughs> maybe that. we don't need to go down that route on today's episode. Yeah. But like
1: even the worst parts, like the, the lowest socioeconomic areas of Sydney, sort of some of the places out west you drive through where it's like 80% council housing. Uh, I ride through there all the time when I go out there. Like that's fine. I've never been riding there being like, oh, I'm scared someone's going to stab me.
0: I get the question quite a bit, especially when I put a, a race video up or something like that. People saying, "Why do you ride to the crit?" I heard it on the Trainer Road podcast that they were suggesting that don't mix your mix your sessions like that. You know, go straight to the race. You know, you'll be wasting energy, that kind of thing. Whereas, like part of the the joy for me of doing a crit is. Normally, the ride home. I love the ride home. Mm. Like with the guys you just raced against, you know, that's doing the full debrief. Yeah. Like yeah. I would I would feel like I really missed out on the whole experience doing that.
1: It's a totally different culture, isn't it? I wouldn't even, I don't think I, I'd barely ever race if I was forced to drive to go. I just, the packing, I'm just lazy, but like the packing of everything and the organizing and then yeah, I love the ride out and back. It's
0: the best. Social element. Like it's the only time I ever really talk to the people I race against. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're sort of like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And then then there's that kind of that golden window of like an hour after a race where you're like everyone's best mates. Yeah, and then everyone's like, buzzing. And then sort of two hours later it'd be like. Mm-hmm. So quick fire round. Let us know your thoughts though, guys. Uh, scared to ride anywhere? Are you happy riding to and from? Crits, let us know down below. Thanks so much for watching, guys. If you are on a podcast platform, make sure to leave a review, a five-star review, ideally. And if you are on YouTube, hit the subscribe and like button. There's some more links down below to the show and other videos on the channel. Of course, check out Jesse's coaching as well. Alrighty, guys, we will see you real soon.